What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another exciting episode of Bitcoin and Markets. We're going to rip into a reaction video. I have a couple reactions here set up for the next couple of shows. So this one is going to be reacting to Lance Roberts. Uh, he has a YouTube channel that is called The Real Investment Show. Uh, one of his guests that he has on or one of his financial advisors that is in his firm, uh, Michael Leibowitz, we've interviewed him for FedWatch before. It's a very good show, and I put out an invite to Lance to be on FedWatch as well, and he never got back to me, so I don't know if he doesn't do interviews or whatever. But um, uh, this this investment show, it's very good. I think he does a good job uh, with the traditional markets, okay? So I have nothing against Lance's work on the traditional market side, but... He has been starting to talk more about Bitcoin. And Michael Leibowitz has been talking more about Bitcoin. Um, Michael Leibowitz is a little bit more friendly, actually, I think, to uh, the idea of Bitcoin than Lance Roberts. And anyway, so I wanted to listen to this with you guys. Um, it's not that long, but I will comment heavily in here. So uh, let's get right into it. Get me all lined up. Make sure I have my window capture set properly. All right, and let's hit it. And welcome back to the show this morning. So flipping gears here from financial markets under pressure to cryptocurrencies, which are also under a lot of pressure here. It's very interesting, as I noted earlier. So he says cryptocurrencies right off the bat. And I've, I saw a tweet yesterday that I responded to somebody about this cryptocurrencies let me see if i can bring this up real quick um for those that are my paid members on bitcoinandmarkets.com you're going to see me go through my twitter history here very fuddled and see if i can find this i think it was a reply so i'm going to go to the replies So Alice Smith here, she asked, let me get, hold on, let me put my thing up here. Okay, so Alice, the Alice Smith, I don't know if it's a big account or whatever, but quite a few people were responding to it, so I wanted to put my two cents in there. She says, I always thought Bitcoin was a type of cryptocurrency, but some of you are telling me that Bitcoin and cryptocurrency are opposites. Can you explain this to me, please? And so I responded because a lot of people did respond, but I don't think they covered the topic properly. And so I said that cryptocurrency, the term, has been reappropriated by blockchain, ICO, DeFi crowd, the altcoin crowd. They've reappropriated that uh, to cover up their Ponzi schemes. And so that's, and that's the term crypto as well. Crypto and cryptocurrency is a reappropriation of the term that used to mean, you know, a, a currency like Bitcoin that uses cryptography. But now it means cryptocurrency means all of these Ponzi schemes. So anyway, I say now if you say cryptocurrency and you mean to include Bitcoin, you are and you're acting in good faith, then you are being misled. And if you're acting in bad faith, well, then you're lumping Bitcoin in with the scams. So that's that's kind of this idea behind cryptocurrency. So when Lance, Lance Roberts here says, um, "Oh, cryptocurrencies aren't having a very good day," you know, he's lump. I think he's 
good faith. That's kind of arguable, but I would put him on the good faith side. And I, then I would say like, he's been misled. Like he either hasn't, I mean, it sounds so cliche now to say, oh, you haven't looked into it. You haven't done your own research. But I, I think there's some people that are, you know, invested, like the, the term that if your job, if your, what is, if your salary is dependent on you not understanding it, uh, you can't convince somebody. So I think that's kind of where Lance is. He, I don't think he has this bad faith in this argument, but he does have a reason to not understand what's going on, right? So that's, that's it. Let's keep going. On the show today, that you know, Mike and I personally, we took a lot of heat here uh, on the radio show a while back when we were talking about cryptocurrencies and you know, kind of undermining the case that you know, no, they're not a replacement for currencies and you know, they're not a you know, a replacement for a fiat currency because they're fiat themselves. In fact, Coinbase made a very interesting statement yesterday. Coinbase currently custodies 200. Okay, so fiat here is this is one one of my things that has been becoming a pet peeve of mine because everybody's doing this, that they don't understand what fiat means. Okay, fiat is not simply an unbacked currency, like unbacked by gold. Fiat means that it is by decree, that it is legal tender. Right? And the, the thing that makes it fiat is that it's legal tender. And so its supply then would be completely predicated on the whims of the ruler or the ruling class or the government. The supply is at the complete whim of the government. That's not the case for gold. That's not the case for Bitcoin. That is not the case for the dollar either. And people don't understand that. Dollars are printed in the process of making a loan. Go back, if you guys don't agree with me and you're Bitcoiners, go back to the Goldsmith's tale. How was money printed? Is printed in a loan, in fractional reserve banking. And he even brings that up here later, so he understands that. But the dollar is not fiat. It is printed because it is printed by the, the supply of it depends on the banks and the borrowers. You know, the banks might want to lend money, but nobody wants to borrow money. And that, then we can get into the interest rate fallacy to understand that. But um, the, the supply of dollars is based on banks lending and people borrowing. That's what it's dependent on, dependent on. The Fed does print money if you talk about actual currency, you know, dollar bills, uh, paper currency and coins. But that's a very, very tiny portion of what we're talking about here. I think there's two billion roughly, or sorry, two trillion in paper dollars, and half of that is hundreds held outside of the United States. That doesn't circulate. You know, it's in someone's mattress in Argentina or Brazil or in Dubai. It's in a suitcase in Dubai <laughs> or anywhere, Hong Kong. So these are uh that's the way that the Fed actually prints money. QE is not money printing. It, the, the, the supply of dollars does not depend on the government or the, the Fed. They print reserves, which are not a medium of exchange. And he'll talk about medium of exchange, medium of exchange here in a minute. 
but he's calling a reserve printed at the Fed a medium of exchange. But I can't buy a sandwich with it. It's not, I can't buy, you know, I can't buy sandwich with Bitcoin. I can't buy sandwich with reserves. They're dollar denominated, but that doesn't matter. So is Bitcoin at this point. Okay, let's continue. $56 billion worth of assets. And they note in their Q4 filing that if the company goes bankrupt, holders of those crypto assets on Coinbase could lose their assets to creditors. And because it would become an asset of the company to meet debt obligations of the company to their creditors, which means that you may wake up one morning and the company files for bankruptcy and you have no cryptocurrency left. Uh, that doesn't happen with the U.S. dollar. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, it does. What about Russia and their sovereign wealth money, their sovereign wealth fund that was just seized? <laughs> what about all the people that are the, their bank accounts were seized? What about the Canadian truckers whose bank accounts were frozen and seized? You know, WikiLeaks. And any uh, civil asset forfeiture. <laughs> no, and it wouldn't happen like that in Coinbase's case either. Like Coinbase said, yes, some we, we would socialize the losses. We have the ability to socialize the losses. But Coinbase is an extremely profitable company, unfortunately, because <laughs> they they are like I saw a tweet. They're like a fentanyl dealer. And that's what they are. Right. They're extremely profitable. And yes, they have some bad quarters. But most of the time, three out of the four quarters every year, they're extremely profitable. And they probably will continue to be that way. Well, I mean, they might be less profitable in the future, but they, they are, one, not in danger of not being able to pay creditors. And two, if they were, it wouldn't be like they would need $250 billion. They would need five. And so then they would, you know, socialize the losses and give people some haircuts. But that, that would be a last case, last ditch thing. Um, but no, and th this is the same way with all sorts of companies. I mean, all sorts of companies would do this. You know, equities are at the end of, and not Bitcoin is not an equity and the crypto that you hold on the exchange is not equity. But the same can be said for all equity holders. So, and it's the same with all sorts of things. Anytime you invest in some fund or you have a wealth advisor advising you, I mean, just, uh, you know, you have money with a wealth advisor, they can run away with your money. Just look at uh, Bernie Madoff, Right. Now, does Bernie Madoff mean that the dollar is a shitcoin, which it kind of is, but uh, the, the dollar is fiat or the dollar isn't going to work because there's so much risk in the dollar because Bernie Madoff. No, it, it's not. So anyway, let's keep going. So, you know, this whole <laughs> idea that, you know, it's a fiat and currency like and, or, or it's not a fiat currency, it's a replacement for gold. It's a hedge against inflation. All these theses that were put out there. What is it? It, 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 it. It is a replacement for gold. It is this. It's Bitcoin, right? It's not cryptocurrencies. Bitcoin is not crypto and crypto is not Bitcoin. These people need to designate that. If you want to call some Ponzi scheme Terra Luna a Ponzi scheme and a shitcoin that is garbage, scam, I'm there right there with you. But if you want to call Bitcoin that same thing, you know, let's hash it out. Let's have a discussion.
But no, they want to lump Bitcoin in with all of these scams. If you say Coinbase is a scam, then that's fine. I don't care. L label Coinbase a scam because I just told you they're a fentanyl dealer, right? So that's fine. But Bitcoin is not a scam. So what are you talking about? It's, 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 it's compared to gold. Well, cryptocurrency has not been compared to gold. I'll tell you what has been. Bitcoin. Bitcoin is digital gold. Gold 2.0. That's the only thing. No other cryptocurrency altcoin that I know of has claimed to be gold. Litecoin has claimed to be the silver to Bitcoin's gold, but no, nobody else has claimed to be gold. So if you're saying it's claimed to be gold, what is it? It's not cryptocurrency, right? Let's whittle this down. Come on, stop lumping Bitcoin in with the scams about cryptocurrency itself have turned out to be false um, and wrong. And it's because that they, you know, why what, again, what claims? Okay, so what he's trying to say is that since Bitcoin has claimed to be digital gold and some other altcoin is a scam, that means that Bitcoin's claim is false. See the, the, the messed up logic? While they are certainly can be used as a currency, right? I can make an exchange for something. I can go and, and you know, I can send Mike Bitcoin and he can send me a, a you know, graphic caricature of, a, of an ape in exchange for that Bitcoin. We can make a transaction, but if Mike wants to use that, that Bitcoin for anything, he's got to convert it back into U.S. dollars to go buy a car or whatever. So okay, you guys listen to this. You know that's not true. Um, and he knows it's not true as well. Bitcoin can be used all the time. And guess what else can't be used to buy a car? Lance? Reserves. And that's what the Fed prints. Okay? Fiat money is, the supply of fiat money is completely at the whim of the central party. You tr think that that is the dollar because of uh, Federal Reserve doing QE, right? Their balance sheet. And also from the government doing fiscal spending. Well, the government's fiscal spending is literally borrowing existing money and spending it now. It's not printing. Where is the printing press in fiscal spending? It doesn't exist. Then the people will say, oh, it's because then the Fed is monetizing it. It's not monetizing it. The Fed doesn't print money. It prints reserves. And you can't buy a car with reserves. So, yes, of course, we know that you can buy stuff with Bitcoin. It happens all the time, all around the world. Billions and billions and billions of dollars every day are sent on the Bitcoin uh, network. Billions of dollars worth of Bitcoin. More was transacted, I think, in 2021 than on Visa, on the Bitcoin network, value-wise, right? So uh, that is just totally untrue. So, you know, ultimately, at the end of the day, a currency is only valid if it is a medium of exchange and it has not attained that yet. It's also a fiat currency because there's nothing backing it. And as Coinbase have just alerted their you know, holders of Bitcoin and, and Ether, you know, you may well find out one day that, you know, you wake up and your money's just gone. And, you know, the one thing about the U.S. The same thing. No, let me play this bit dollar is that it has the full faith and credit of the U.S. government behind it. You may not like it because it's not. Okay. Um, I mean, I've already went through all these arguments. He's, he's just wrong. 
about Bitcoin here. It's he's trying to lump crypto, uh, all crypto scams in with Bitcoin, and Bitcoin is not crypto, and crypto is not Bitcoin. Um, I, I don't, I don't know if I should go through that whole th- uh, thing again, but let's just hear what Michael has to say. Not backed by gold, but you're not going to wake up one morning and your dollar just be gone, like gone, gone, like you don't have it anymore, type gone. Oh, like Bernie Madoff. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and that's and that's a very different environment. What ha- what Bitcoin has turned out to be, and as, as Mike and I had said early on, and we took a lot of heat for it, and now it's become true, is that it's basically a, you know, it's an it's 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 an asset. It's a speculative asset that. People can buy and sell, run up and down in price, and it actually has now attained a very high correlation to high growth beta momentum names uh, like we've seen in the stock market. So, again, it it turned out very much to be a a retail kind of frenzy, and I'm not saying that it's over, it's dead, and it's never coming back. That's probably not the case. It's very likely we'll see Bitcoin and Ether have a very strong rally back at some point. But, again, like the market, it's a function of beta, it's a function of volatility, and it's a function of risk on attitudes and appetites, and we just don't have that right now. Um, but, Mike, to, to the question, I thought one of the interesting things that has happened in the, in the cryptocurrency world is what's going on with these stable coins, right. which... Okay, cryptocurrency world, stable coins. Now, are you calling a stable coin a cryptocurrency? I'm not quite clear on what your definition of cryptocurrency is you know the whole premise of, of the stable coin is that it doesn't lose value it's pegged to the dollar and which is also interesting but it's, it's pegged to the dollar and which has been going up the u.s dollar is up about eight and a half percent this year um, now that is uh, the common understanding of this but look the dollar loses value right Crypto or start stable coins are meant to peg to one dollar, not any sort of value. He said go up and down in value. So no, stable coins are made to peg to a dollar, but that doesn't mean that the dollar is stable. Just look at the DXY. Just look at the price of gold. Just look at the price of Bitcoin. Just look at the price of anything, right? Look at the price of gasoline over the last year or the price of whatever. The 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 Dollar goes up and down in value dramatically, especially if you talk about a single product. The dollar will fluctuate dramatically. So no, stable coins are not meant to be stable value. They're meant to be pegged to a dollar. That's it. Um, has been a very good investment. If you were just long the dollar, you've done very well this year as a hedge against the markets. But, you know, I think it's funny, like he's talking about stable value and then he just talks about long the dollar because the dollar's gone up in value. Like, how does he not square those two things? Um, the stable coins, not so much. Uh, in fact, we, big news over the last couple of days is that uh, one of the stable coins actually broke the buck, so to speak, and that's where they lost their peg to the dollar. In other words, the, the value of the currency fell below the dollar value of, of, the, of the peg. And, you know, investors are now getting back less than a dollar on their investment. So, you know, what's your view on this now and, and kind of where, where are we? Okay. Um, Michael does a good job going through here in the next few minutes talking about what a stable coin is. So I'm just going to let this play. And if I have any comments, I'll make them uh, throughout. But um, uh, I probably will let these next couple minutes play. So I think the stable coins are fascinating. And it's something I've kind of read up on over the last week or two in full and didn't really appreciate what stable coins are. 
stable coins are essentially the money market funds for cryptocurrency. Mm -hmm. So in the stock market, if I go sell 100 shares of Apple at my Fidelity or Schwab account, that, that money, the proceeds, go to my money market account at Fidelity. Now let's say I want to sell 100, 100 shares of Apple and I want the money to go to my bank. Mm -hmm. Well, it's still, it goes from selling Apple to my money market fund at Charles Schwab, from my money market fund at Charles Schwab to my bank, where it's also going to sit in a money market fund. So unless I take that money out as cash, it's going to sit in a money market fund. Right. And I don't care because that money market fund will always have a price of one. Now, if you remember in 2008, a money market fund broke the buck. That means that it wasn't worth one anymore. It went down to 98 cents or 99 cents. The Fed went crazy because that's trust. You Once you start, that's really trust in the whole system. Mm -hmm. And when you start breaking the buck on money market funds, people are going to withdraw cash like you've never seen. And there isn't enough cash. Right. The, the cash doesn't exist for all the money that actually exists. That's a, that's a story for a different uh, show. <laughs> it's but, called, it's uh, called fractional so, reserve banking. And that, yeah, that is a whole other problem. I don't think you want to hear this, yeah, especially if you're driving. Exactly. <laughs> It's not safe. Uh, but so you go to cryptocurrencies and there's two kinds of stable coins. Think of stable coins as the money market. So if you sell your Bitcoin, it goes into, in that case, something called Tether, which is a stable coin. And then you can have your, your custodian basically convert the Tether to U.S. dollars mm -hmm. uh, or to another currency or back to Bitcoin or whatever you want to do. Right. So there's two kinds of stable coins. One is algorithmic and one is actually backed by something. Algorith algorithmic is like an ETF. And it basically says that there are such incentives. This is an interesting part because I never heard it talked about uh, with the ETF. I knew that there, you know, the idea of an algorithmic peg was not new, but I never put these two things together saying that the way that ETF keeps pegged to NAV is the same way that uh, a stablecoin keeps, an algorithmic stablecoin keeps pegged to the dollar. Um, I guess I should have seen that, obviously, but um, yeah, that, that this is an interesting point. Incentives for the dealers or for people to keep the stable coin at about a price of one that'll never get away from one. That's like ETFs. Mm -hmm. ETFs have a basket of 10 stocks. If the price of the ETF varies from the price of those 10 stocks, there's a dealer that's incented to buy those 10 stocks and deliver it in and sell it at the higher ETF price or vice versa. And because of that, the very liquid ETFs always stay exactly at their or very, very close to their net asset value. And that was true for the algorithmic stable coins as well until a few the last week or so. And they've been collapsing. And that's that's not the case either. So there's a long history of algorithmic stable coins breaking. So uh, the reason why that this this one blew up so badly, usually the algorithmic stable coins will lose the peg, they'll go to 25 cents or so, uh, and then they'll slowly regain the peg. But uh, the reason why this one blew up so dramatically is because it was so interconnected in the space that they had multiple wallets dealing with it. They had multiple uh, other protocols using it. They had lending protocols on top that were very, uh, being uh, very popular to use with people because they had guaranteed 20% uh, APY or something like that. Um, they had all of this other stuff built on top. Probably 100 different DeFi projects built on top of this Terra Luna stuff. And so it was too big and too interconnected to intervene. And the actual attack, I think, was very, very large. So it was 
too big of an attack and it was also too integrated of a system to give them time to react. That's one reason why it went down. But no, this is not new in the last week. This is just a the newest um, instance of it. While it's nice to think that dealers will come in and do their job and make mm -hmm. the easy money, when we run into times of illiquidity, this is what happens. And the illiquidity in the liquidity in general in stable coins is nothing like it is in in some of the big name ETFs or in the money market funds or any of that type of stuff. There now I don't know about that. Uh, I think Tether is what like eighty billion, so it has a pretty fairly liquid market. Uh, not not much of that is moves at any one time, of course, but uh, Tether would have a fairly liquid market. And this UST market was, I believe it was up to 40 billion at one point. And they, uh, at least the market cap of all this, these UST stablecoin tokens was up to 40 billion. But a lot of that was locked away in these, these lending schemes and these... Uh, I don't know if they're rehypothecation schemes. They're just pretty much Ponzi schemes where they're parking them. Uh, so not not a lot of them were liquid at any one time. But I would say that most ETFs are less than that. Most ETFs are less than that. Only the very biggest ETFs will be extremely liquid. More than, say, 80 billion, right? Okay, let's continue. There's another kind of stable coin that's backed. The Tether backs Bitcoin, I believe, and that is apparently backed by U.S. Treasury bonds and cash. That's a much... Forgive him for that. Um, Tether does not back Bitcoin. Bitcoin doesn't back Tether. Um, that's just... Bitcoin is friendly to, to Tether. Most Bitcoiners are friendly to Tether because it's not a algorithmic stablecoin. It's not a scam. It's run by a centralized party that admits that it's centralized, and they will intervene in the market when needed. Um, so Bitcoin and Bitcoin and Tether don't compete. Actually, Tether competes with the Euro. Tether competes with the Euro. That's why the Euro and the ECB are so scared of US dollar stablecoins and why they have to have a CBDC. So Tether does not compete with the Bitcoin. They're completely separate. Now the thing that Tether uses or the 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 use for Tether is a lot in arbitrage but also in, yeah, holding money on the sidelines that you're going to deploy later, uh, that you don't have to go through the banking system because everything is, you know, there's hurdles on everything. To get money across the world, there's hurdles to get from one exchange to another. If you're wanting to arbitrage and send dollars across, it's very hard. You have to use Tether because there's not as many hurdles. So anyway, let's continue firmer backing assuming it's true and I, whether it's true or not i don't know and there are rumors it's kind of like the gold etf is there really all that gold in the vault we you know everyone <laughs> likes to think so but no there are there are theories that the answer is no right so i'm glad he said that there about uh it's similar in other things like the gold etf and you know all the paper gold out there that people talk about uh this tether you know really found a receptive audience in bitcoiners because a lot of us are ex-gold bugs and so there's this receptive audience to that um but I, I think it's important to bring that up too because usdc i think played a pivotal role in tether fud it, they were starting usdc is another tether competitor uh, and so uh, this USDC wanted to FUD on Tether so that they could get some market share. 
early on. And that's where a lot of this Tether FUD started from and gets its its uh, funding basically to FUD Tether. And um, that could be very well involved here as well. So they could be the ones that crashed, you know, had they have they're very well capitalized, very uh, rich company, very profitable. They they either USDC or maybe USDC um, stakeholders were responsible for crashing Terra Luna. That's very possible as well. So uh, it's interesting that he brought up these different types, but he did a decent job, I think, of describing this. Uh, so, so think about it. If you own, there's this one, this cryptocurrency called Luna, and it's backed by a, a stable coin called Terra. Well, Terra was trading at 50 cents, 60 cents, 30 cents on the dollar. All of a sudden, your Luna, regardless, even though its price was dropping like a rock, the value to convert it was also dropping like a rock. So people start selling Luna, you know, in part because their whole money market system, the the, mm-hmm. the infrastructure is devastated, and right. that's what's going on in a lot of cryptocurrency cryptocurrencies and stable coins now well and again it's also just you know again it's as we talked about before it's also a lot of the high beta trades a lot of it was okay so he used a distinction there cryptocurrencies and stable coins i'm just trying to get a feel for what their mental understanding is of this space and if they view stable coins as crypto (laughs) it's so complicated it's just very simple to say Bitcoin is not crypto and crypto is not Bitcoin. And it definitely isn't a stable coin. Bitcoin is Bitcoin. That's it. So let's talk about Bitcoin and not talk about these other cryptocurrencies. I mean, do you want to talk about pink sheets or do you want to talk about the Dow Jones and the S&P 500? I mean, you know, there are these, there's this huge market of private pink sheet trading or over-the-counter pink sheet trading. And they're mostly scams or, you know, they're not, they went, I wouldn't say they're all scams, but pink sheets are very scammy. That, that's what you see with these um, uh, stock traders that are hawking stuff on the phone to these clients, you know, these unsuspecting clients. So these are really scammy things, these pink sheet stocks. And um, that is what I would say is like an altcoin, okay? But you don't compare, you don't say that the S&P is uh, comparable or the S&P is negatively affected by what happens in the pink sheet market. Right. It's the same thing with Bitcoin. Bitcoin should not be uh, castigated because of what happens in the altcoin market. It has some correlation, yes, because Bitcoin is the thing. And if Bitcoin goes up, these other these other coins can pump up as well. But that's where and they own like this Terra Luna owned a bunch of Bitcoin. That was one of the problems. And they dumped it on the market to try to save their their skin. So that was how Bitcoin was correlated with this. Not because it's the same thing. Pink sheet versus S&P 500. Okay, let's keep going. It's on margin. And we're starting to see margin redemptions uh, to some, some small degree right now. But, you know, as prices continue to fall, more and more margin calls come, which require people to sell more and more assets. And so if I've got some money in Bitcoin and I'm getting margin calls in my stock trading account on Robinhood, I've got to start selling my Bitcoin to go cover my margin calls at Robinhood. And it's just a bad situation, particularly if I'm chasing a lot of those, you know, high beta names that are dropping, you know, 10, 20, 30 percent like we saw yesterday with with Coinbase. You know, you know, this is just kind of that part of the liquidation cycle that we're in. And it's as I said earlier, you know, when you're looking at the average account being down 28 percent for the year, that tells you that a lot of investors were really, you know, really on the wrong side of the trade. Um, in this, you know, for this market. And again, even 18% is a lot to be down. Um, well, I, I, okay. That's fine. 
I don't really ha have a super problem with his argument, but it says something in my opinion, if you turn to Bitcoin as your first sell, right? You don't look to your home to pull some equity out to cover your margin because it's illiquid. You don't sell your house to cover your margin. You don't sell your car, you know, um, or whatever. There's, there's a level of liquidity. And if you're selling your Bitcoin to cover, cover other things because you are in an extreme liquidity crisis, to me that tells me that the Bitcoin has higher liquidity characteristics than these other types of store of value assets, right? And that's a good thing. It's the same reason why you would um, you don't sell your gold and silver. Like I still have some physical gold and silver, but I don't sell that. I wouldn't sell that to cover my margin. I don't trade on margin, but I don't sell that to cover my margin because it would it takes six days to sell your gold back to the gold company. You know, um, it's just very illiquid. Um, where Bitcoin, you can drop it right now, and you can even sell it over the counter. Um, within a day or two if you need to so um, to me that that says that bitcoin is more liquid if you're turning to that right it, so it's a positive it depends on how you view these things so lance wants to view it as in a negative way but look you're going to sell some stocks to cover cover other stocks as well you're going to sell these things and it's not necessarily a bad thing. I don't understand why it has to be a bad thing. Um, prices go up and down. You can make money both ways. Um, in this market. But again, 28% is a very different story. You know, but, but this is, you know, but we kind of go back to the premise of this conversation and, and, this, and, you know, the whole premise behind, you know, stable coins and Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. It was, it was a great idea. Oh, he said Bitcoin. He said Bitcoin, everybody. The, the problem was is that there, there was a flaw to the analysis, which was that it was going to be a replacement for fiat currencies. And oh, brother, oh, brother. So no, the U.S. dollar is not fiat. It's a credit based currency. It's backed by credit and counterparty risk. That's what it's backed by. It's specifically, it's backed by low counterparty risk and credit. But there are periods where the counterparty risk in the dollar system spikes. And we call these things financial crises. Right? So it's not a fiat currency. But anyways, uh, Bitcoin, it, <laughs> there's a flaw in the analysis because Bitcoin can't be used as currency when it is used as currency. Billions and billions transacted every day. Hundreds of billions every year so th this is just wrong the big difference and this is the thing you and i pointed out long ago was that you know you have a, a government backing the u.s dollar there's nothing backing a cryptocurrency uh, it's it's just the value of the people buying and selling it that drives okay this is an interesting so, so yes the government is backing the dollar but the dollar has lost a lot of value in the last say 100 years even in the last 50 years, the dollar has lost a lot of value. So what does it exactly mean to say that the government is backing the dollar? What does that mean? Well, it means they're going to bail people out. And they bail people out by borrowing money. 
not by printing money, but borrowing money. And what does that do? Well, that saves the system for a little while, but it there's diminishing returns, right? So there's diminishing returns to bailouts. And eventually you're just going to be you're going to get to a negative return. You're going to bail out the system too much where it actually still can collapse, right? But I just I, that's one of my big pet peeves right now is that calling the US dollar fiat and saying there's not there the government is backing the dollar when I would like to be explained how that exactly is. Yes, they are in they are forcing the acceptance of the dollar, but the the value of the dollar isn't backed by the government. The value of the dollar is not backed by the government. It falls all the time. So what do you mean by the dollar is backed by the government? Doesn't make any sense. So the the inflation is backed by the government. The amount of money, the difference between my purchasing power this year and last year is backed by the government. What exactly is backed by the government? It's not purchasing power. Anyway, that's it for this one, guys. Thanks for joining me. Uh, check out Lance's channel. Like I said, he has really good stuff, and I appreciate 90%, 95% of his work. Earlier in this exact episode, they do a lot of talk about inflation that I agree with. So check them out. It is the Real Investment Show on YouTube, and I'll link to it in the show notes, of course. I'll check you on the next one. Bye.